0: Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast. I'm Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature and host of this podcast, and I'm the author of the book Leading Through Uncertainty. In this series, I'll be delving into each of the chapters of the book and exploring what's the context of uncertainty, what are some of the challenges we face, and what are the habits and leadership behaviours that we need to adopt in order to navigate uncertainty more easily. This week, I'm reading chapter 13, Being Human, and it starts, as usual, with a quote. Leadership is about finding ease and flow amidst the chaos and struggle. And I think that's what it is to be human, isn't it? Is so often we're searching to try and get everything under control and make everything be perfect and wrap it up with a pretty bow on top. But the reality is that part of being human is that there will be chaos and struggle and things will be uncertain and things will be challenging at times and when we really step into our leadership is when we find our own sense of ease and flow amongst all of that so I'm going to start as always by um, reading a story and this is a story of a client and and the client's name is Rachel but as usual this is not specific to one client there are many clients who've had a very similar experience to this Rachel held back. Everyone knew that she had her own horses. She had been deemed the expert, in quotes, and the expectations were high. As Rachel watched her peers lead a horse one by one, her anxiety rose. She knew that this was different. Leading a horse was something she did every day, but she'd never done it with the Leaders by Nature horses. Her horsemanship skills were not going to be enough here. This required her leadership skills. Rachel realised that my horses would not move just because they were told to. They don't respond to command and control and they won't respond to horsemanship techniques. They have an opinion and are not afraid to use it. If they don't want to move, they won't. As Rachel took the lead rope, she felt anxious. She was under pressure to perform in the spotlight and she doubted her capabilities as a leader in that moment, as people often do when things are uncertain. She held the lead rope tightly beneath Callie's chin. She gave a sharp tug to ask Callie to go with her, and Callie headbutted her. Rachel stopped, and Callie headbutted her again. Rachel was used to telling her horses what to do and expecting them to follow. Callie doesn't work like that. She won't respond to control and demands. She wants to be inspired, engaged, and led, just like people in the workplace. Callie also likes to fully express her opinion. She couldn't do that with the lead rope being so short and tight. She was resisting being micromanaged. I asked Rachel to lengthen the lead rope so that Callie could move her head. Rachel let go of control and found herself unsure how to lead. I'd removed her usual way of leading a horse and she needed to find a new approach. Rachel stood still trying to work it out. The more she analysed what was going on, the more disconnected she became from Callie and the more Callie refused to move. Rachel had put herself under pressure to meet the expectations of both herself and her peers, who thought she would make it look easy. The longer she stood there, the more pressure she put herself under. The rest of her team looked on amazed. Self-imposed performance anxiety is limiting and derailing. I asked Rachel what she thought Callie needed from her as a leader. Clarity, direction and connection, Rachel replied. Which of these is missing? I asked. All of them, Rachel laughed. She realised that she needed to relax into her leadership. She took a couple of breaths, trusted herself and invited Callie to walk with her. They walked round effortlessly. Rachel walked with confidence and ease. Once she'd let go of control, she could step into her leadership. Callie was engaged at last. Authentic leadership Clients often judge a task as difficult before they start. I often say to them, have it be easy. We put ourselves under immense pressure for lots of reasons. When we're deemed to be the expert, when others have high expectations of us, when we're in the spotlight, being watched, when we have challenging deadlines or targets to meet, when we fear failure and many more. Many clients feel the pressure of being observed and they overanalyse how to lead in those moments. Leadership is largely something we feel. We know when we're in flow, and we know when it feels awkward and clunky. When clients work with the horses, they experience both. I liken it to riding a bike. You know when you're balanced, and you know when you're wobbling. Leadership requires us to repeatedly find our balance and flow. Rachel had put herself under so much pressure that she'd become focused on herself and her colleagues watching her. While she was in her head trying to work out how to move a horse, the connection with Callie was lost and she failed to lead. Where are you focused on your own performance and results and have lost connection with others? Whenever you lack trust in yourself, there's a tendency to hide behind a mask. Horses refuse to engage with the masks. They connect with the real person beneath the masks and barriers. If your external behaviour doesn't match your internal behaviour, it's incongruent and the horses refuse to engage. They won't work with mixed messages. If you want to lead a horse, you have to be real, honest and vulnerable. People want the real you too. To be authentic requires us to trust ourselves first, to trust that we're safe when we're vulnerable, that we can lead effectively through the unknown. Once Rachel let go of needing to be perfect, she was able to lead with ease. This is a case study of John and the name has been changed to protect confidentiality. John was known for being brutal with his team. He chose to work with Callie, who will not move without connection and relationship. To everyone's surprise, he stroked her on the neck and invited her to come with him. As he walked forward, he was clear where he was going. He was connected to Callie and she went with him willingly. He was kind and gentle and offered reassurance all the way round. When he came back to where the team was standing, he thanked her and stroked her again. His team stood with their mouths open. When I asked John about the experience, he said he thought it was easier to be kind to a horse than to a person. He explained that if he was gentle at work, he didn't think he'd be respected. One member of his team said he respected John more because now he knew that John was human. There was a moment where everyone in the team paused for breath. John's fear of being vulnerable had prevented him from being compassionate at work, even though it was a trait he was able to demonstrate easily. Once he realised that compassion and gratitude were strengths and appreciated by his team, John was more caring towards them at work. John's natural style was to care about his team, but he was hiding behind the mask of needing to be respected. It prevented him from building relationships with his team and prevented him from showing that he cared. He had judged it as a weakness and was incongruent in his behaviour. Once John was honest about how he really felt, he and his team were more relaxed together and their relationships improved. Leaders who pay attention to their inner dialogue as well as the outer dialogue attune themselves to their gut instinct and emotions along with the logical information in the brain. When leaders operate out of their comfort zone, there's a tendency to hold back or push through the discomfort, both of which lack authenticity. Authenticity. By bringing more of yourself to a situation and being honest about how it feels for you, you can engage authentically with others and work together with honesty and integrity. We need to foster an environment in which people feel safe to bring more of themselves into work and understand the benefits of doing so. Letting go. When teams walk through my gate, their bodies are often tense and conversation is either loud, anxious and boisterous, or subdued, reflective and restrained. Either approach is born from the stress of being out of the comfort zone. There is regularly a wave of energy based on ego, positioning, a need to get it right and save face. It's often matched only by a wave of exhaustion from overwork. Uncertainty is uncomfortable. People desire to hang on to what's known. It's uncomfortable standing in a field about to get honest feedback on your leadership skills, especially from a horse. Some are sceptical and dismissive, greeting me with, I don't see the point of this. Others are quiet and reflective, anxious that they might be found out as not being a good leader. Some are excited about a new experience. Others want to get going quickly before the anxiety takes over. These are all natural states of responding to not knowing. Each person shows up with their default approach to uncertainty without realising it. Their default habits and behaviours are unconscious until they work with the horses. Everyone has to let go of who they want to be seen as and step into their authentic leadership. What's your default approach to uncertainty? Most education systems are founded on a right or wrong approach. You're rewarded for getting the right answer and reprimanded for doing the wrong thing. This black-white-right-wrong approach is useful for developing a moral compass and cognitive processing like basic maths. But the skills we require to lead through uncertainty require a different style of leadership. A right or wrong approach comes with blame, judgment, and criticism. And they're not part of leadership. It assumes that there's only one way of doing things. We struggle to define what leadership is because it's something that we largely feel. You know when you're in flow and you know when you're not. Leading through uncertainty requires huge flexibility and adaptability. There is no right or wrong because the answers are unknown and therefore the approach is untried and untested. That's what uncertainty is. When we let go of needing to be right, we can foster an environment that encourages people to take the next step, not knowing where it will take them. New possibilities and opportunities can then emerge when we act with curiosity. Tension and stress comes from attachment, a desire to make things black and white, and for our opinion to be right. It's human to want to do a good job, and we want to encourage great work, but we can do it without creating the stress. In writing this book, I was up against a deadline. With only a week to go, I still had two chapters to finish. I felt my anxiety rise as meeting the deadline became in doubt. I didn't want to fail. I was, up, I was using up critical energy, worrying about the deadline. Once I let go of needing to meet the deadline, I allowed myself to focus on the writing. I met the deadline, but more importantly, I let go of all the stress around meeting it. I set myself free. With stretched targets and high workload, it's unrealistic to be able to achieve everything on our to-do list. We need to relinquish the control we want to have over work and find a new way of being in relationship with it. What outcome are you attached to and where is that causing tension? Letting go is important. When we let go we trust in our leadership. We trust that whatever happens we can deal with it. By letting go of control we step into the discomfort of not knowing and difference. Letting go doesn't mean that you absolve yourself of all responsibility. You still hold the desire and the intention without the attachment to the minute details of how. When you relinquish the stress and tension of attachment your leadership can flow more easily. Uncertainty can be expansive. It generates new ways of doing things which may not match your vision of the ideal. The paradigm shift from command and control to collective leadership requires you as a leader to relinquish control, to provide a steer, set the direction and let go so that the collective team can create fluidly within a framework. If people don't feel supported or empowered in uncertainty, they feel unsafe. The difference between support and control is monumental. And leaders often confuse the two. Uncertainty is a natural part of the human condition and we avoid it wherever we can. It's easy to be reactive and try to lock down the uncertainty and that into something that is certain. But we need to develop the skills to be with the uncertainty without resorting to stress, overwhelm, fear and polarisation. Control and power are illusions When we relinquish control and power over situations or people, we can step into the skills needed to create harmony in relationships. Once we realise that uncertainty is challenging for everyone, we can provide support to each other and navigate it together as a collective. Ease and flow. People flourish when you remove the fear of failure. When you let go, you allow room for failure and error. And you develop the skills of flexibility, adaptability and agility. When you relax and trust, you can be more courageous and entrepreneurial. We all have days when we feel on fire. Everything is effortless and easy and nothing can stop us. We also all have times when our leadership feels challenging and clumsy. Conversations feel difficult. Meetings don't go according to plan. Deadlines are missed. People don't do what we want them to do. Frustration builds. This is also part of being human. We have emotions and we can use them to inform and guide us. Our best leadership is when we return to the place of ease and flow without the tension of fear, stress and attachment. Life is full of ups and downs. The drive for positive psychology and happiness increases the unnecessary pressure we put upon ourselves when things are not going according to plan. We fight the challenges and are not satisfied until everything is in flow again. Margaret Wheatley encourages us to accept the ups and the downs of life in her book Perseverance. And I quote, It can take many years of being battered by events and people to discover clarity the other side of the struggle. This clarity is not about how to win, but how to be, how to withstand life's challenges, how to stay in the river. Once we've experienced life in all its dimensions good, bad, hard, easy life doesn't seem so challenging. Every situation is what it is, sometimes lovely, sometimes difficult. Every situation is workable. I think that's such a brilliant quote, isn't it? Every situation is workable. We can make leadership a struggle or we can allow it to be easy. Notice the difference. We make it a struggle or we allow it to be easy. The struggle requires a pushing, coercive energy, the desire for a specific end goal where there's no room for flexing. Whereas allowing creates opportunities, enables new ways, new ideas, possibilities. It allows for listening and dialogue, co-sensing and co-shaping, and trusts that there will be a breakthrough if you stay in the discomfort of uncertainty. Where can you allow your leadership to flow more effortlessly? Struggle creates tension, allowing just flows. Trusting that we can lead and respond to anything that shows up. The energy used to struggle creates tension and stress. When you find your flow, you release the energy of stress and tension and everything becomes easier. This is an embodied way of leading where you sense into the tension in your body and allow it to be released by letting go and trusting. Compassion. Everyone who chooses to lead will experience the glory of results and success as well as the crushing defeat of failure. We are human after all. With the highs come the lows. To avoid the lows denies us the full human experience. Organisations with a culture of fear of failure inhibit innovation and creativity and create stress and pressure. We sometimes forget to be human. In the pursuit of doing great work, achieving goals and meeting deadlines and targets, we exert pressure on ourselves and others to avoid failure at all cost. While pressure can enhance our performance for a short period of time, it's not sustainable over long periods. The cost of excessive pressure is poor physical, emotional and mental health. We need more compassion in business. Compassion for those who are struggling as well as compassion for ourselves. We need to shift from trying to be machines in a world of technology to using technology to allow ourselves to be human When we accept our humanity, we can be kinder to ourselves and to others. We're living and working in a time of significant pressure. The workload volume is immense and the pressures outside of work continue to grow in parallel. The expectations we place upon ourselves for what we can achieve are often unrealistic. We blame others for that pressure. It's your boss's fault, the shareholders' expectations, or the person in your team who's slowing you down by not doing what you want them to do. There's a tension between what's humanly possible and what we think we can achieve in the timescales available. In this fast-paced technological world, we sometimes attempt to be superhuman. And in the process, we forget to be kind, compassionate and considerate towards ourselves. We focus on the results we want to achieve and sometimes on the relationships we want to create or maintain with others. And in the process, self-care is overlooked and expectations are unrealistic. Where do you fit in your daily life? Often people want to be given permission to be compassionate. They consider it a weakness until they realise how essential it is for themselves as well as their team. Considerate leaders include and embrace everything. They hold compassion for people experiencing challenges. And that includes having compassion for yourself as well. How senior leaders behave sets the tone for the organisation Having compassion for yourself and others shows that there's space for humanity, knowing that you'll never have 100% full capacity from every single person on every single day. Having compassion means choosing to act with self-care and choosing to minimise stress and overwhelm. It may mean saying no to unrealistic targets and deadlines or taking time out to recover and recharge after an especially busy or stressful period at work. In an interview in January 2018, Sue Grindrod, the CEO of Albert Dock in Liverpool, explained, and I quote, I make sure that I take time out for me. It's important to be kind to yourself, especially when you're under pressure, and to be realistic about what you can actually achieve. If you try to cram everything in, you set yourself up for overwhelm. I think that's just such a a brilliant quote, and she's so inspiring and, and really clear that In order to be an effective CEO, she has to make time for herself. How do you hold yourself with compassion when you're struggling? And who in your team is suffering and needs your compassion? And here's a case study, and this is a chap that I've called Nigel, but again, his name has changed to protect the confidentiality. Move over there, demanded Nigel, pointing to a place on the ground. Callie stood still, eyes half closed, not moving. As Nigel grew increasingly exasperated by a horse who appeared unwilling and uncooperative, he turned to me and said vehemently, This horse is stubborn and won't do it. I calmly asked Nigel what he did with people in his team who did not do what he asked them to do. He said he got rid of them. His desire for results was so great that he had no empathy for anyone in his team. I explained that Callie wanted kindness and he was astonished. He'd never considered that there might be a different way and he had no idea how to find it. He had a high turnover in his organisation and didn't understand why. As soon as it was pointed out to him, Nigel realised that he'd been letting good people leave his business and he wanted to change that. Throughout the day, Nigel learned to soften his approach and give the horse an opinion. As he did so, he found the horse more engaged and more willing to work with him. Some months later, Nigel reported that he was taking time to connect with everyone in his organisation and that relationships and teamwork had improved. And it would be really easy at this point to judge Nigel, as, as I've called him, and say, well, if, you know, obviously people won't just do it if you just start demanding and throwing your weight around. But how many of us have actually done that at some point? My guess is that most people at some point, when push comes to shove and you've reached the edge of your limit of your leadership most people become either passive or coercive and this is just a great example of how not just one person but multiple people have handled the horses um, and and demonstrated that when they get unskilled they become more coercive than passive and we all have the ability to do that so just to close the chapter compassion for self and others is imperative in challenging times and yet we often overlook it Continuing to drive ourselves as machines leads to burnout. It's the responsibility of every leader to look out for their team and consider their needs. It's time to revert to the core of our humanity, to remember that we are human beings having a human experience in the workplace. Most of us work in fast paced, changing businesses that require us to be superhuman. We are not machines. It's up to each and every leader to decide on what is humanly possible and to recognise that the benchmark of that is different for everyone. And that concludes this chapter on being human. And, you know, people said to me, well, you know, why is being human a leadership skill? And I said, well being human is the thing that we most forget to do in uncertainty i mean it's it's bizarre but we we forget to be honest and transparent we start to move into control and attachment and coercion and struggle and and actually we just need to recognize that in the uncertainty when we are honest about who we are what we're doing what we want we're more more open to dialogue and listening we're more able to collaborate effectively with others um, and in the process, we need to have compassion, not just for others, but for ourselves as well. And to look at how do you ease the pressure and stress when there is enormous uncertainty? Because uncertainty is never going to go away. Whenever there is change, there's uncertainty. And we're human beings trying to navigate it. You know, as I often say to people, we're we're all muddling our way through life. Um, leadership is how we move from the muddle and the struggle to a place of allowing and ease and flow. So I urge you to consider where where do you fit into your daily life? How do you hold yourself in compassion when you're struggling with the chaos of uncertainty? Um, what's, what's your default approach to uncertainty? And how do you move from that resistance and the pushing and the pulling to a place that is more allowing and gentler? with no less desire to achieve a result, but just a little bit less stress and tension. That's it this week. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and you'd like to read the full chapter, you can download a copy of it from my website at judegenison.com forward slash podcasts. Or if you'd like to hear real live stories of leaders who've led through uncertainty and how they've overcome their challenges, Check out season one of this podcast, episodes one to 35, where I interview leaders from a variety of organisations on their experiences. There are some truly inspirational stories from leaders there. I'm Jude Jennison, host of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature. Keep leading and I'll come back soon with the next chapter of my book, Leading Through Uncertainty.